No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Yeah. I was gonna ask you if you're looking at <laughs> Technically <laughs> trademark infringement, but hey, we're here. Hey, and there are sue us. thousands of stray cats right outside of our apartment. We're not selling anything. That is that knowledge. It's still for free. I, I, as a lawyer, I know this. So. You want me to do something else? No. Yes. Welcome to Motel Hell. Shave time, shave money. Keep this list. One more time, one more time. Welcome to Motel Hell. American runs on Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the one. Right. Perfect. That's, that's so good. Welcome. My name is Alexa, resident strong woman, owner of a new computer which has all knowledge in the world, and pretty good to look at. Across the table from me, we got Ben the Beardo. That's me. Luscious beard. Mm. Growing in nice. Want to stick my face in it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good thing my wife doesn't listen yeah. to this. <laughs> Great haircut. Coffee is working fast. It is. And to my right is the one, the only Dick Fetty. Dick Fetty. That's the enthusiasm. That classic Dick Fetty tone. He doesn't want to be here. DFT. Anyway. It's the Dick Fetty tone. And you can have it with your very own Dick Fetty voice modulator (laughs) for a small price of $9.99.99. You can you can have one today. Nine ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. What was that comedian that was always really deadpan and he tell like the really Stephen Wright, the yeah. guy who's in half baked. You, you go a little Stephen Wright there, yeah. like Dick Betty. Yeah, he's hilarious. I spilled spot remover on my dog. Now he's gone. <laughs> That's classic. Classic. I know magic, but my only trick is that I can make birds levitate. No one gives a shit. <laughs> Yeah, but it's even better than that. He's in um he's in the first vignette of Coffee and Cigarettes by Jim Jarmusch. That's true. With uh I think it's something Bellini, famous Italian actor. Um yeah, so tonight we're talking about spooky stuff. Would you guys agree? I'd agree with that. I think of science, but that's fun. I you guess think of we, science? I guess, no, science. The M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> the I get how you would make that comparison. I hate you. It is a great movie. I have a question. Does the M in M. M. Night Shyamalan stand for meh? Because that's how I feel about his movies. Up top, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! I like The Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's the one everyone says. I like Unbreakable and Split. All his other movies are garbage. Uh, I like them all. Lady in the Water. Alright. You're the the only person that's ever seen that movie. (laughs) Let's just not talk about that. Eddie is... 
upset that we're yeah. talking about Eddie, it right I'm now. Sorry. You look great today, though. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Eddie. Every day is your birthday when you're Eddie, and you're dead. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're talking about spooky stuff. Um. Spooky <laughs> ghosts from beyond this world. That's no. It's first of all, it's science. The ghosts. Also, live. have you been drinking? A sky lot. A lot. Sky ghosts tonight. Sky ghosts. Sky ghosts. Okay. There they are now. All those stray cats are finally making their way up in a ladder formation to our window. Sounds like they So we're talking about alien abduction. Are we? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not talking about it. You guys did all the research. You're listening about it. I am listening about it. Okay. Should we? Should we? Before we get into it, uh, get into the movie route, uh, should I? Should we tell our listeners our kind of changing format? Yeah. So we're we're trying something new, and we're happy to hear your feedback on it when when you when it hits the streets, as it were. So we will be splitting the podcast at least for this episode and do two different podcasts. Well, same podcast, but two episodes. So no longer will. Dick Fetty's incredible disco box adventures be part of the main episode, nor will Ben's best and bad buys be part of the episode, but we will be doing separate episodes which will release on a different date from the main episode so that we can deliver the hard-hitting combat, uh, rather content, and investigative journalism Mm -hmm. that we've done to the listener in the quickest time possible and uh, save all the basically self-interested, egotistical bullshit for a separate hour that no one can will listen to. I mean, is it egotistical if our opinions are always right? No, absolutely not. And if you don't listen to the other episodes, you're wrong. And, yeah. But we're going to try it out to sort of... Uh, I like it. I think it's a good idea. Shorten the, shorten the episodes hypothetically. We may just drone on twice as long about our topics. But uh, brevity is the soul of wit, and we're going to try oh. to... Uh, Follow that that model, and and clean things up here at podcast at Motel Hell at Motel at podcast <laughs> at podcast at generic. <laughs> yeah, so I just spent three minutes talking about how we're gonna shorten it, so let's get into it. But uh, movie review first. So tonight we did the the incredible 1997 film, the first in the series of films, the Alien series that. What did they call it? The Tetralogy? Was that what was the name of the four pack they sold? I had no I, idea. It no was idea. some. It was a made up word. Keep adding more. Well, I know that, but it was a made up word for four. There's a different, cooler word for it, and uh, they just just made their own thing up. But anyways, we're talking about Alien Resurrection, the 1997 film by Jean Pierre Jeunet, and yeah, I don't know. I don't oh, care oh, now. Jeunet. But he's a good director. Uh, from France, they do produce the occasional good thing, and uh, wow. for me at least, it was the first time watching the film in how old am I? Probably 19 years, 18 or 19 years. I watched it four to five times in theaters back when they had that movie theater that was near the Pensacola Mart. It was on 130. Do you remember that? You know, maybe it wasn't Pensacola. Maybe it was Burlington. It was I think it was in Burlington. There was one in Burlington. Yeah, it was a shitty movie theater with a tiny screen. My dad said our TV was bigger, he claimed. But uh, I saw it several, several times, four or five times in theaters. And then I watched it many times on VHS after that. So, Yeah, I, I, I watched it in theaters. It was the 
first alien based movie that I got to go see in theaters. Yeah, same. From the whole series. Um, and I had already been super into the comic books, the video games, and the toys, because those toys were fucking awesome. Yeah. I had one that looked like a cobra, that's besides the point. Yeah, I had that one too. It was the snake one, the one that had the big rib cage. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Kenner made those toys. They were exceptionally good. Hell yeah, Kenner. Kenner, if you want to sponsor us, just give us toys. and You don't even have to pay us. Yeah. Just give us toys. Yeah. Preferably those old alien toys so that we can yes. relive our childhoods as men. Predator ones too. Yes, the Predator ones. Especially the one where you had to send in all the UPC codes to get the invisible Predator. We're getting off topic. We anyway. <laughs> what is Kenner? It's a, a toy, toy company. company. They make uh, all the Star Wars toys. Jesus fucking Christ. Hey! I'm just kidding. I'm a partial third party. Honorary mention, if you are interested, Alexa, yeah. watch a show called The Toys That Made Us. They do a whole episode on the Star Wars toys and how uh. they pretty much saved Kenner and changed the industry. And, uh. But, uh... This movie has everything that a young, young boy could have want to have in it. It's got Sigourney Weaver looking it's all got, good. It's got the guns. Tell them about the guns. It's got, it's, it's got a guy who's got guns hidden on his wrist, kind of like Assassin's Creed style, but Ooh. instead of knives or guns, which is better because they like essentially shoot knives. And it's, it, it, the guy from CIS, the black guy, has them. Yeah. And it's before he was like wildly drugged out of his mind and looked like a skeleton. Wait. You mean CSI? Yes. Yeah. Grissom? No, the black That's, guy with the afro. Grissom was the main guy. Oh, there's two guys from CSI in it. No, no just the one Grissom guy. Grissom wasn't in it. I thought you said Grissom was in it. I misspoke. Well, that ruins my whole mood. Fine. So, it has Ron Perlman in it, as Winona Ryder right before she got caught shoplifting. It's got a shit ton of super goopy aliens. Mm. It's got Brad Dorf for those David Lynch diehards. And it has... The fucking dude from The Crow, the guy who plays Top Dollar, who's got the coolest voice in movie history. You read all the stuff about him, you can't remember his name? No. I don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, I'm not good with uh, character actors. Brad Dorf, though, oh man, he's great. He's super great in it. Everybody's great in it. It's really, it really holds up way better than I anticipated. I thought this movie was gonna be a shit bucket of garbage, and it was, in fact, a hot plate of wings. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like it's it's a nineties action movie. It's exactly what it is. It's not meant With to be. You know more. Yeah. Um. Excuse me. It's not meant to be life changing in any way. It's not something that's very well written. But it's actually. I thought it was way better written than I would have anticipated. It's a shitload of fun. Yeah. Is what it is. It, it basically is the film equivalent to what they did with the comic book series. The whole Alien vs. Predator and Aliens yeah. comic series. It, it, it takes it into a direction where basically the canon and the world are super well established. Like, everybody who's going in to watch it knows everything to expect, and it gives you everything you could want. You get sick-ass aliens that look different than the aliens you've seen before. You get aliens busting through the backs of people's heads. You get aliens bursting through people's chests. You get, like, badass hard, like, no-nonsense mercenaries doing badass stuff. You get goop. You get tons of goop. You get Sigourney Weaver pawning a basketball that's way bigger than her hand. Yeah, and you also get Sigourney Weaver getting licked by a multitude of aliens. <laughs> A multitude of aliens and she loves it and also Winona Ryder again and then like they basically almost make out and you're in totally like for a burger scenario at the end of the credits you're like I know what's gonna happen yeah I'm so. pretty sure the whole movie is a metaphor for abortion and lesbians ladies banging ladies yeah wow. absolutely interesting yeah it, it, well it's French so you know they do stuff that's unexpected and, and, and elevates art forms mm -hmm. and 
I mean, really though, I was so pleasantly surprised. Like, I loved this movie when I was a kid. And I remember I was saying about when we started it. My dad was like, "That was terrible." I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta see it again." And my dad, being the amazing father that he was, took me many times. Despite <laughs> how he felt about it, so uh, yeah. I mean, I I'd honestly say, you know, my ratings are whack, but I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Easy eight out of ten. I would I would watch this tomorrow. <laughs> I really would. I really liked it. I love Alien. So, you yeah. rate everything an 8 out of 10. I'm going to give it a solid uh, 7 out of 10, only because not one scene does an alien kill anybody with its tail. And that's one of my favorite things that they do. Yeah. Because they got a cool scorpion tail. Yeah. Like, Watch out! Yeah. 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 I didn't watch it, so I can't give it a reading. Cool. Cool. Good stuff. So, that's Alien Resurrection. Everything else is downhill from here. Well, let's do it. Let's get into it, boys. Tell me about these space ghosts. Coast to, from coast to, to coast. coast. Yeah, that would be sick. We should do an episode on space ghosts. We should. But we're not doing an episode on space ghosts. We're doing an episode on alien abductions. And let me say that this was a doubly interesting topic for me because it's like I read all of this with just sort of a slack jaw, glazed over. Yeah, you lack wonder. I lack wonder. That that is one way to put it, and uh, I find it incredibly difficult to believe in anything about aliens. Like I believe that there are life forms that exist outside of Earth. Sure, I don't believe that any of them care enough to come here. But at the same time, I'll talk more about it as I read or as I go into my main subject. But I'm going to do a little bit of a primer for everybody first. So. The sort of abduction narrative starts with Betty and Barry Hill, who were abducted allegedly in 1961. And I guess, to spare myself having to say allegedly every other word, we're just going to give the narrative as if it was all true to a point, and, you know, we can save our questions and theorizing for after the fact. Yes, I but like that. That was the first highly publicized narrative, and they were... Well, I don't know. I didn't research that. Whatever. That's just the main one to know. That's where it kind of starts. And everything is basically, as far as UFO abduction, it's all post-40s, really begins in the 60s. And there are people that made claims that they were abducted before Betty and Barney Hill, but none of them are important enough to mention. And I don't have any specific names. I just have... That's what I, that's what I read. Fair enough. Love it. Part of what I thought was particularly interesting, reading about just alien abductions in general, the abduction narrative, the whole idea behind it, the explanations for it, was there is, there's sort of a folklore and a sort of structure to the way abduction narratives go now that has been pretty firmly established by all the people that have reported the abductions and all the people that have done the research. And there are, a significant amount of scientific minds that have researched this phenomena since the 60s, since it really became reported in, in the news and all that, and captured American and, I guess, international imagination. I think, I don't have statistics, but it seems like, from what I read, the majority of abduction scenarios come from people in the United States, and then there's some in the UK and Scotland and England, and then there's a fair amount in Australia, and I don't know whether it's just aliens that, all speak English and it's easier for them to communicate with us <laughs> or the Germans don't talk about it or you know in Africa they just never get the word to us but 
that's where most of the research t seems to come from is English-speaking countries. And um, that's interesting. So I guess I'll talk first about the general narrative, and then I'm going to talk about some of the things I read as far as uh, the explanations for why there are alien abduction stories, and then we'll get into our specific ones. Okie dokie. Love it. Okay, so I took a decent amount of research or information from Preston C. Copeland's doctoral thesis that's published uh, by Utah State University pursuant to Digital Commons. You can find it online if you search for Preston Copeland, which is C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D, and the name of the thesis is Saucers and the Sacred, the Folklore of UFO Narratives. So I did this because it was well-written enough. I figured it was somebody's doctoral thesis, so they had to be mildly educated. So they got a doctorate for writing this paper. They did. I love it. And he basically sums up a lot of different sources so that I could do this in a way that's not going to take us an hour to just talk about before we get into it. He talks about a bunch of different stuff, which I'm going to try to cover the basics. First, the, the characteristics of the alien abduction story, the general eight things that uh, are present in most abduction stories are capture, examination, conference, tour, other otherworldly journey, theophany, return, and aftermath. Theophany? Yeah. It's got the word fanny and I don't like it. Yeah, I liked it too. So, uh, they all have structural similarities according to Mr. Copeland to other supernatural assault traditions, which is basically talking about possession, changelings, all sorts of uh, cryptids from, and, and folklore creatures from the past, and they, they have a similar sort of structure to the way that they're described. So the capture is the first one, that's the when you get abducted. The examination is generally right after you're captured. The aliens, you know, examine you in one way or another with their alien instruments. And right. sometimes you're floating, sometimes you're on a table, sometimes you see the tools, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you come, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Right. That's a, actually very apt. Oh, I know. Interesting. People often don't remember this super well, but what they remember is like the traumatizing portion of it. And it's always horrible and painful and weird and whatever. Then you get done with being molested and the aliens essentially stop restraining you or maybe you're still restrained, but they conference with you, they talk to you and they say, hey, we're aliens, what's up, dog? And- I am Clack Scott, <laughs> we have stolen your seat, here is Cat Fair. Yes. <laughs> yes, so they'll conference with you and then they let you go inside the ship and they give you a tour of the ship and they say, oh. sorry about, you know, they often don't say sorry, but they basically just act like, we're cool now because we, we're no longer- bad. Yeah, we're raping <laughs> you with probes. They take you on a tour of the ship. You sometimes journey to another place, another planet, into the stars, whatever it is and then you have this feeling of basically talking to or being a conduit for a higher power, a God, whatever. You're, you're filled with this feeling of speaking to God or having a God experience, mm. which is the theophany. And then you're returned to earth and then you have the aftermath and you have to deal with your ordeal. We're dropping you off now. <laughs> we swear to call or text. Mm. Next time, maybe coffee? Love this alien. Yeah, so the the general, as far as abductions go, 
one of the major alien species that's described are the greys. Oh yeah. So it's often that there is a taller grey who's in command of the whole abduction and all the rest. And then shorter greys who are with him. Some believe those greys are actually robots. Yeah. Other ones believe that they're just smaller greys. But the greys can also have a multitude of forms that go beyond just the slender man sort of with the big black eyes and all that. Uh, they can have different skin tones. They don't actually have to be gray. They can be gray purple. They can be green. They can be brown. They can be whatever. But generally the greys are the ones who are described. There are also other descriptions, especially in the early stories before it gets so uniform where one of the famous ones are two kids who were uh, fishing and they describe carrots, basically. It's like their ears are like carrots. Their nose is like a carrot. They have no eyes. They're much shorter. The aliens aren't always super tall. And there are other people who have described other types of aliens. The particular abduction I'll talk about, they're not greys. They're some other species or partially some other species. There's like a, there, yeah, there's a ton of alien species that claim there's, yeah. that there are. But greys are the, the major one as far as abduction stories go. They're the real spooky ones. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of faked pictures or real pictures, depending on what you believe, of greys that are peeking in windows oh. and taking dumps in people's barns and stuff like that. So watch out. The greys will get you. They're sort of, I think, at least when I was growing up, one of the classic renditions of aliens that I always knew. Bit racist towards greys. Uh, in what way? Just the way you're saying it. Okay, I'll don't like the way you said don't brain. Like the way you said brain. I will. I'll try to correct that. Yeah, forward. try to. It's all about the tone. Yeah, I mean they are kind of intergalactic rapists. But they're fucking our cows. Yeah. Well, he's not fucking America's cows, one way or another. Talking about the meat industry. Chick Fil A. So I should have probably started with this, but I, I'm just going to touch on it now. So Joseph Valenheinek, who was a graduate level educated person and who was involved in Project Blue Book and a bunch of the other things that followed after that and did a lot of the better, more scientific studies of alien. He was first involved with the Air Force and then he went solo after he left all those and was involved in some of the early uh, UFOologist societies. He came up with three categorizations for basically an experience with aliens. The first is a close encounter of the first kind, which involves a UFO sighting that is reported at close range. The second is uh, where there is physical evidence of a UFO. Some type of trace evidence might be burned vegetation, frightened animals, or lost electricity. And then there's a third encounter of the close kind, which is characterized by contact with an extraterrestrial being. And as far as he was concerned, basically, I think everything he could believe Close Encounters of the First Kind. He was involved with the Hudson Valley sightings and some other stuff right before he died. And if our listeners don't know, Project Blue Book was a uh, government-ran thing, pretty much trying to investigate aliens or debunk them or what have you. And you have to remember that the majority of all of the alien mythos, abduction and otherwise, all stems from the Cold War period. When we were as terrified as Russia as we were of aliens and everything else, and you know, it was during the space race, it's during post-nuclear war, and it's the Russians. So it's like, if aliens are real, then do we nuke them? Second of all, <laughs> if they're not real, are they Russians trying to be aliens to spy on us, which is, do we nuke them? And then third of all, 
Uh, we know that we can get to space, so if we can travel to space, can't other creatures travel to space? And if they can't, can we nuke them? And that is the world that we were living in in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I mean, it was crazy because I just was rereading Watchmen for the second time, and the whole book takes place in 1985, and it's, yep. granted, Reagan's not the president in the book, but the, the doomsday clock is the whole, like, main mm. second page of the book on every, and it, it's constantly getting closer to midnight to nuclear bomb. And it's just like, I, I was born in the 80s, but I didn't exist in a cogent way during that, like, heightened, wild paranoia of, like, truly, like, we were facing nuclear war, and I can only really imagine. So, to me, this idea of aliens becoming a sort of escapism for a panicked American public or a terrified American public uh, makes a lot of sense, because we were looking to the skies in a way we never had done before, because we now had technology that made it all so much more real and viable. Uh, aliens yeah. are real. That's why we have Space Force. It's true. And why would there be like stories of aliens if aliens weren't real? Right. Also, space force. Very true. Very true. So, this idea that UFO abduction stories, whether or not they're folklore, this is the whole point of this dissertation that they are, in fact, uh, part of American folklore. They're just a new form of it. In much in the same way when we did our episode way back when and talked about Slenderman and other urban legends, Slenderman, Polybius. And I don't even remember what the hell I covered. It was a bunch of different students. You, co- you, you covered a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But those two, especially Slender Man, are like a new form of folklore that come out of technology and all the rest. And uh, to me, this is, there's not really a question, and I agree with the, the thesis that this is folklore completely. Like, it doesn't matter whether or not it's true, but it's not part of a, a storytelling that's part of our culture. Like, yeah. this is a, 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 you know, a modern world cultural folklore new tradition. You know, it could also run parallels with mass hysteria and just strange phenomenon in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the the author talks about, Copeland talks about Thomas Bullard, who was a um, academic who was the original person to sort of hypothesize that this is part of a larger American folklore. And he did over 270 interviews with abductees and basically examined their narratives and the differences and all the rest and looked at, um, you know, what makes up the alien abduction narrative. And one of the interesting things is that while it's mostly adults, there are children uh, who have also had abduction experiences. And oftentimes those children are children of people who've also been abducted. And so it's not shocking that that could get filtered down to a child. but. Some of what I read indicated that a lot of the people who had interviewed the children who claimed to be abducted, the children talked about it in a way that was significantly different than adults. Like adults often told it in a way that a person tells a story where they gauge their audience's reaction and they maybe change details or change the way they tell it accordingly and are trying to convey something but also tell a story like that goes above and beyond the actual meat and bones, the facts of the story. You know, it's, a, it's part of a lo- larger experience, whereas children talk about it in the same way they would talk about their Barbie doll collection or, or their Pokemon, you know, cards, and are not concerned with what the listener's thinking of it. They just accepted this fact and they, tra- you know, they, they communicated as such. So the, the last part I want to talk about is, is sort of the explanations for the phenomenon that might explain it if people aren't actually being abducted and these may be explanations for it. So first of all, researchers, psychologists, and other researchers who have all been involved in the phenomenon have found that whether or not 
abductions are real. The trauma that people experience post-abduction is real. And these people exhibit the same symptoms as anybody who has PTSD for like war or sexual assault or anything else. And so it almost doesn't matter as far as treatment goes of abductees, whether or not it's real, you can still treat them the same way. And it's why there have been abductee support groups that have grown up since the 60s and people come together and they talk Can about the stories. Go? Yeah, that sounds I feel like they're probably much like Sexaholics Anonymous, uh, very closed off and, and you know, to me, I wouldn't want to invade somebody's recovery process mm. uh, for my own entertainment or to get laid or whatever. Uh, we could probably cook up a sick story about motel <laughs> hell getting abducted, but I don't know that that would be ethically correct. And yeah, but we could wear like trench coats and fake mustaches. I mean, I could just wear a trench coat. Yeah, and I could wear a fake mustache. I don't know that we're so famous that we need the mustache. Yeah, we yet. definitely. You should put a fake, fake mustache on top of your don't mustache. Here, how about we do this? I sit on your shoulders and we wear one big trench coat. I like coat. that. I like that. Yeah, I guess that's that's an option, but basically. You know, there are people that, for the people this this has happened to, it's a real experience, it's real trauma, it's really something that they struggle with in their day-to-day lives for the most part. Uh, Bud Hopkins and CBD Brian, who um, did a ton of interviews, they talked about this as well. And in 1992, uh, they did an abduction study conference at MIT where they discussed their findings. And they were both uh, psychologists. The one was from Harvard, the other one, I forget what school he was from. These were people that were like seriously accredited and very intelligent and do what they're doing allegedly, you know. I, I would imagine if you graduate from Harvard, you gotta have some kind of intelligence. Mm. So uh, they conducted a ton of interviews. They found the same kind of similarities to the stories, the same kind of trauma over and over and over again. And, you know, one of the ideas is that basically abduction, people with abduction stories are sort of morphing memories of something else into something new to make it less painful for themselves to some way compartmentalize or separate a traumatic event from what they actually you know from what they actually went to into something that they can say like this is so unique and this is different and like it's a way for their brain to like you know segregate the trauma from the rest of their life and so they turn it into an alien abduction which again is like if that's the case, then treating them for PTSD, it doesn't really matter. Just, you know, these people are often in need of treatment. And they need help. Yeah, I mean, and there is some evidence to show, um, according to Newman and Baumeister, and also there's a separate article, Sharps Matthews and Austin, who were different researchers, found that depressed individuals might be more likely to believe in ghosts, for example, because ghosts provide evidence for an afterlife in which present stress would be eliminated. We expect that belief in UFOs would be another avenue for escape for depressed individuals. Huh. So what I'm saying is I'm just depressed. Yeah, that explains why I believe in ghosts so much. Also, yeah, maybe. was one of those guys named Ballmeister? Ballmeister. Balm. Let's go. Balm. Yeah. Um, Still funny. <laughs> so... Uh, dissociation and the UFO abduction scenario have been studied scientifically in order to find correlations and disparities as uncovered through structured interviews and questionnaires. They find that um, the results overwhelmingly shown that abduction sequences indeed correspond to depressive tendencies, but that some studies show that. Other studies have showed that there is no special proclivity um, as far as temperament or mental health or anything like that for claiming to be abducted or, or to believe that you're being have been abducted you know to me it's unfortunately I didn't have the time to do the level of research and, and read 
their studies and then read their analysis and all that. Like I'm kind of starting into this rabbit hole that I think I might be picking up in my spare time way <laughs> after this episode's done because it's fascinating to me. But you know, there there's a lot of conflicting information as to like whether these people are genuinely stable, whether they're not, whether they're depressed, whether they're not. But there are similarities in the narrative as I right. as I discussed first. So. You know, those are those are some of the theories on why um, people have these experiences and why they they describe them the way they do, why the narrative exists that it does. Um, you know, I think that to me the thing that makes the most sense and is also discussed in Copeland's paper is basically being abducted and then having an abduction abduction narrative to present in your life gives you sort of a unique selling point that you wouldn't really have otherwise. And it's not like I'm gonna make up an abduction story so I can get a date, because most of us would think that's probably gonna, you're gonna get a lot less dates when you start talking about being abducted by aliens. But we'll see, in all, we'll see it a little bit in my subject. There can be monetary gain if you've got a really good story and you're really good at telling it. And you know, more importantly, for these people, they often are getting advice from an alien being that's unique to them. They're chosen specifically. They get like you know a specific uh, audience with God or a godlike entity, and they experience what feels like a religious or not a religious but a spiritual <sighs> eruption is not the right word, but it is basically like a massive spiritual upheaval where. You know, oftentimes they report before they're abducted, they feel like oddly at peace. They, they do things they wouldn't really do. They feel compelled by fate or some unseen mm. force to go to where they get abducted a lot of the time. Then they go, they get all this horrible stuff happens to them. And then they're told like, you know, like you're special. We abducted you for a specific reason. And um, we want to give you this advice. We'll be back in 20 years or we won't be back in 20 years, but you need to warn people about the dangers of styrofoam or Freon or like all sorts of Beware shit. Beware of Xenu! Yeah, do you yeah. think they just give him like fucked up life advice? Well, no, a lot of it's more of like the way the world is heading is gonna end an apocalypse. You know, we're your great benefactors in the sky and we say like you need to tell people they need to change the way they're living. Mm. All of that is true in the sense of like yeah. most of the advice the aliens give people or most of the issues that they see are, are legitimate issues, but it's just like a gray is telling you this, you know, a gray who's not even gray, it's purple. Like, I would just love if they were like, you gotta divorce your wife, bro. Yo, she's sick. She's a she's toxic sick. person and she's bringing you down. <laughs> your wife, she's fucking ten. <laughs> Your wife is a fucking tin. Ah, 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 ah. That's just alien humor. Oh, oh, oh. Your puny human mind wouldn't understand. Oh. I'm about to turn into Gary. You are. That was Gary coming on for sure. Are you my alien friends? I'm Gary the Ghoul. Oh, you are too goopy. Get away from us. Ah, ah, ah. That is not a joke. We just do this sound. Ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, so I think that covers sort of the abduction narrative, the explanations for the abductions, the things that go on. I sort of wasn't really probably ordered perfectly, but hopefully that is great. people get the idea. Very informative. It's pretty okay. So let's hear it, Ben. What you got for us? Who got right. abducted? Who, what they did all? Mine's not really an abduction. It's more of an encounter. You picked this out of here. Okay, number one, we never said abduction. I yeah, said we, alien encounter. We absolutely said abduction. But, but 
do whatever you want. You guys are gonna love this, okay? It's referred to as the Kelly Hopkins encounter, also known as the Hopkinsville Goblins case. Ooh, there's but also, goblins? But also and the Jelly Hopkins, right? Yeah. That's what you texted me yeah. originally. I was like, her name's Jelly? <laughs> her name's Jelly. No, Kelly's the name of the place. And the Kelly Green Men case. So this is like one of the the big little green men stories, Ooh, even though they're that. not actually green men. So this happened uh, near Kelly and Hopkinsville in Christian County in Kentucky, which is in the United States of America. Kentucky. Kentucky. For some reason, I had to write down that it was in the United States of America. So on Sunday, August 24, uh, 21st, 1955, Ooh. Elmer Lucky, air quotes, Lucky. Sutton. You know he's a good guy if his nickname's Lucky. Yeah. Doesn't rape kids. <laughs> he's a lucky guy. <laughs> he was Lucky was visiting his mom, uh, Glennie Lankford, and her three and his three younger half siblings at the farmhouse where he grew up, which is about eight miles north of Hopkinsville. Obviously. So he was on a break from his job as a carny. Which oh, I, lucky the carny. I know. I How love this guy. Explain his name. <laughs> All I can think of is Blade from Community, oh. who's like definitely one of the best little characters, one episode characters. Yeah. I think of Lucky from King of the Hill. You know. Okay. I don't, watch I don't know King of the Hill that well. It's a great show. You should all watch. No, I agree. I do like it. I just mean, don't know it's it as much. Well show. So. With Lucky, he had his wife Vera and their friend Billy Ray and June Taylor. Oh, I know. These are such Kentucky names. Yeah. Uh, And then his brother JC and his sister uh, Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes, it was Jesus Christ. And uh, his sister in law Aileen, which I had. I don't know if it was a typo, but I'm pretty sure it's alien. It's almost alien. Yeah, I know. Connect the dots, bro. And then there was one final person, uh, their family friend, OP. Mm. Mm. Original poster. Outpatient. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) outpatient. So there's 11 11 of them total, and they're sitting down to have a card game. Billy Ray. AKA there. Fucking hammered. <laughs> Actually, strangely enough, no alcohol. None oh, of them were drinking. Who? So the people that were drinking? Officer, what are they doing? PCP. Listen, this shit gets batshit bananas oh, crazy. Okay. All right. That's a lot of bees. And I want, for the record, as far as anyone knows, and especially anyone official knows, they were not drinking. Okay. So. Um, Billy Ray came busting through the door during the card game and started yelling about some crazy shit. So he walked out to the well to get water. And on his way back, he saw this round metallic object just shooting through the sky with rainbows coming out of it. Oh my that god! Awesome, right? That's awesome. That sounds super good. Yeah. So everyone thought it was a prank when he came back. They're like, oh, fucking Billy Ray, stop being. Wait, huh? Fucking Billy Ray, stop being so crazy. God damn it. Come Billy over Ray. here and play this God card game. Damn it, Billy Ray, I don't want to hear about no flying dang nummy saucers. Is that how people from Advocating for say? gay rights. Get that gay shit out Get of here. Get that gay UFO. <laughs> that gay UFO out of here. <laughs> UFO. What a gay name. <laughs> but he did seem very, very bothered by this thing, so they thought, you know, maybe he's not lying, maybe he is. And he asked his wife, June, for support. He's like, come on, June, you know I'm not crazy. And she's like, you sound fucking stupid. And everyone laughs at him. 
story of my life. So Billy Ray would not let this go, so he got Lucky to come out and showed him exactly where he saw this object well, flying, flying away. Why is he gonna see it again there? I don't know, but come on, Lucky, we gotta go catch this motherfucker. All right. We gotta kill it, we gotta eat it, we gotta fucking break its shoes. All right. Oh my God, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky's a crazy place. Wow. Yep. Auburn. Tucky boy. Tucky. So, they didn't see anything. Do they call it Tucky Town when you live in Kentucky? They sure do. <laughs> Welcome to Tucky Town. We make chicken. And rape. <laughs> that, is, that is an outlandish claim, and I, I, I hope you don't make those kind of claims about Kentucky anymore, sir. Mm. All right. All right, thank you very much. Tucky Town. Tucky. So, they didn't see anything, so Lucky and Billy Ray started heading back to the house. Lucky's still being like, this guy is... This is Billy Ray This guy is like fucking being stupid. No. And this is the This was 1955. Billy Ray gets it in. Yes, this is the inspiration. Actually, this is the inspiration for Battlefield Earth. Wow. Huh. It's not. Oh. Wait, did Billy Ray Cyrus write Icky Break Your Heart? Yeah. When I was that's growing how he up, got famous. When I was the only up, way he got famous. That song was so popular. I go to the roller skating rink and they would play that song like five times in one afternoon. It's a great song. And then he had two daughters who, who, I'm pretty sure at least one of them has a fetal alcohol syndrome. Not, not Miley. The other one. Ella? Yeah, they're pretty. She looks a little weird. No. Big head. She's dating anyway. Little Zan. No, they broke up. I know. They, I said she was dating yeah. Little Zan. Yeah, she cheated on him. <sighs> not cool. Let's. Let's not ever talk about Lil Xan on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he is a blot upon the Are you going to be Southern for the rest of that? You bet. Did, did you see that meme where he's like pressed against her face and yeah. he's like, I bet that pushes his face like a scale. <laughs> no. It's real good. I'll show it to you later. Don't All worry right. about it. We'll post that on the Instagram. <laughs> so, on their way back, they got completely stopped in their tracks and went right back into the accident. I can't stop now. And there was a glowing object approaching them from the woods. Oh no. And as they got closer, they realized it was this short humanoid-like creature, which had two very large eyes, two legs that seemed to float, two very long arms that ended in claws, and giant ears that were pointed. Like an elf. Like an elf, or a goblin. Goblin. Oh. Like the, the green goblin or the hive goblin? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess more like more like the Green Goblin. I've seen th- there's pictures. They did uh, sketches, which are really cool looking. We'll, we'll, we'll post them on the Instagrams. All right. So they saw this thing, and it re- raised up both their arm, like both of its arms, in a non-threatening way. Just kind of like it's like, you know, eh, stop! Don't shoot me! Please don't shoot me! And they're all like, "Save me, gun! I'm not black." But they, 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 I mean, it's Tucky. I bet you these are white folk. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Billy Ray, Lucky, and June. JC. JC. He's a white boy. Yeah. 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 Right. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Are we good? Are we ready? Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> oh, so, Lucky's all like, what the fuck is that motherfucking damn guy? We gotta get the fuck out of here. And they ran back to the house. Okay. So they ran inside, slammed the door behind them, and around the same time that this was happening, one of their neighbors, who was a quarter mile north, noticed lights in the woods uh, behind the Sutton farm. And later, they ended up hearing gunshots. A couple good Kentucky boys go shoot foreshadowing? Perhaps. Ooh. 
So Glenny, the mother of the family, was very confused by these two young gentlemen running back into the house and fucking freaking out. So she didn't want the children being upset by Lucky's talk of otherworldly goblins. So she sent the, the kids to bed. And then Lucky and Billy Ray took guns, uh, Lucky with a 12-gauge and Billy Ray with a 22 rifle, and they went to each end of the house, one out front, one out back, standing guard at the doors. And at this point, she's still like, these, these dudes are playing a prank. Like, yeah. why? I can't believe they're letting it go this far. So, uh, Glennie's, like, trying to figure out what's going on. And she asks Billy Ray, he's like, hey, you know, what, what's happening? What, why are you guys freaking out? Is this a prank? Is this real? And he says, Ms. Glennie, I hope you don't have to find out. So at this point, like, things are real tense in the house. Oh, you know? A little, little bit tense. So they're just sitting there silently waiting. And uh, everyone except Lucky and the children are talking in the living room. When a figure about three feet tall appears in the doorway out of the darkness. Glennie screams and everyone comes running. Billy Ray shoots at the intruder, piercing a hole in the screen door. And then he stepped on the porch, and he says that he claims that a claw hand came down and kind of like brushed his hair gently. Aww. Like not like he didn't try to kill him. It's just Ew. like hi, we're we're a little hey, I'm How y'all doing today? Did y'all see my rainbow? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> came so this, my... is, this is queer out for the tuggy guy. <laughs> queer alien for the tuggy guy. Love it. All right. So, <laughs> so. uh... Billy Ray did what any American would do, and shot, shot himself in the head. No, he freaked out. He got yanked back in the house, and then Lucky went outside, aimed his gun at the roof, and went, "Save me, gun!" and shot at the alien. He did not say, "Save me, gun." No, he didn't. But that'd be oh, good. okay. That'd be really well, good. Well, we weren't there. We don't know. That's true. So when he shot it, it rolled off the roof and disappeared in the woods, completely uninjured. At least that's the way it seemed. Okay. So. Now everyone's back in the living room at this point, and there's a pair of glowing eyes and a set of talons that appear in the window. JC shot at it through the glass with a 12-gauge shotgun. That's good. Make the window more open. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're just firing shots at <laughs> fucking things. That would, I mean, like to be fair, if I had a bunch of guns and there's these little weird goblin guys, I'd probably be shooting at them, too. Yeah. This, this, is, this is how we get the urban legend about the ecstasy and the smurf, you know what I mean? This, this kind of behavior yeah. on drugs. Right. Well... Here's my favorite thing about all these, like, accounts of them getting shot. The aliens get shot, and then they do a backflip, like, every fucking time. So, <laughs> Love it. Like an old West cartoon. <laughs> so, JC shot this thing with a 12-gauge. JC shot And then... Yes. Jesus Christ shot... Through the glass with a 12-gauge shotgun. And then Billy Ray followed it up with a bullet. Okay. Struck the creature. The creature did a backflip and ran off. Love. Love the backflips. Mind you, like, it... it a lot of things kept saying, like, run off, but in all accounts, they just kind of floated. Like, their feet didn't touch the ground. They didn't use them for running or anything. Levitating. Exactly. Levitating. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and Glenny is this, like, you know, she's this 1955. She's a church-going woman, and she's just praying her little heart out. She knows these were demons sent by the devil. Mm. So she's freaking out. Lucky's urging the women to take the children in the back room and hide. And everyone but Glenny obeys this command. She's like, no, this is my fucking house. I'm not going anywhere. Yes, yes. And 
she still isn't sure that this is like she can't believe this is happening. She's just like, I'm staying here. I want to see these things. So Lucky and Billy Ray, they look around the front yard while JC, OP, and Glenny waited inside. JC had to raid it with a cocked gun, mm. ready to fire it at something. Um, and then someone yelled to look up the maple tree at this point, and they could see one of the little men uh, hanging up there on, on a branch. And they shot at it, but instead of it falling this time, it just floated away. Nice. And the interesting thing is, when they shot at it, they know it connected because it made a sound which they described as a bullet hit the metal bucket. So it kind of has like a thong tink. Like, yeah, like had a metal against metal sound. They're made uh, of metal. Maybe. These are hyper-realistic, animatronic goblins that their neighbors made to fool them. Yeah, that Tucky technology. In 1955, mm-hmm. when robotics was at its height. <laughs> so at this point, everyone's like, these guns aren't working. I don't know what to do. I'm American. These guns are not working. <laughs> Call in the missile strike. <laughs> Get them drones out here, President Osama bin Laden. So one of the one of the articles I I, I pulled for this research, I just I, I'm going to quote it directly. Awesome. So so they realize the guns aren't working, so they all run back in the house. And this is directly from the article. Back in the house, the group tried to collect their thoughts and miss racing questions. What are these things? Were they goblins or demons? Did they raise their arms to indicate innocent intent? If they didn't mean any harm to the home's occupants, why did they keep coming back after being shot? Bullets may not have scared the intruders off, but someone pointed out that bright light seemed to hurt their large, yellow-pupiled eyes. Mm. Whenever a light came on, the beings backed away. So they didn't like light. So they start turning on every light around the house. You ever done meth before? Wait, you're in for a time. <laughs> I need to find my math last meth rock. Somebody turn on every goddamn light. Turn on the fucking lights and get the bleach ready because the helicopters are coming and I can't let them find me. So, meth. Meth. Tucky meth. Tucky meth. So, like a show. Lucky's trying to figure out what to do and he starts hearing scratching coming from the roof, so he runs outside, points his gun at the top of the house, and starts firing at the creatures again. And they just began like floating down and scrambling all out of sight. Once again, seemingly completely unharmed. I love it when you shoot them yummy bullets. <laughs> Come here, boy. I want to taste all that big licorice. Is your, is your, oh, that tickles. Well, yum, yum, big man. Come down here and show me what you're made of. I love a feminine tiny alien. He's yep. the best. Yep. I hear they call you lucky. Uh-huh. You want my lucky day. <laughs> I guess I'm the lucky one now. Ha 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 ha. What's the JC stand for? Just Q. <laughs> Love him. So, once again, they realize that there's something they can do. They keep shooting at them. They keep coming back. So they they stop shooting. Well, yeah, they stop shooting and <clears throat> they grab everyone in the house, pile them all into the truck and drive the fuck off. I thought the lot scared them away. It, it kind of kept them at bay somewhat, but they didn't well, have any in lights on the roof. Yeah, well, I'm in there. They're the scared. Roof. You got all this little, like, hey there, can yeah, we Yeah, but like, I'm in the safety of my home. Now I'm going to get in the truck and drive down the Kentucky roads in the dark? Seems silly. Well, I mean, if you are Kentucky and American. Yes, that's what you do. What do you do? You go get more guns. And Who's got more guns? 
Nate. The police. Police. The police. So they drive down to the Hopkinsville police station. Which is just like a lean-to <laughs> with like two guns in it. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, they they get there, and the sergeant doesn't know what to do. And I've, I've read some other things. I've listened to some podcasts, read, watched some videos about this. And they the police never claimed like there was definitely aliens there. But they definitely believed that something scared these people. Yeah. Because they were, they were really terrified. Like, their breathing rate was up. There was no way... According to the officer, that he's never seen anybody truly fake fear like that. Yeah. So the sergeant. Um, oh, there's another thing I want to touch on here. So in, in another article I read, um, one of the reasons that the officer believed that something was happening was why else would the children be out so late? Very true. Yep. That sound. That sound logical. So the officer there called up Chief Russell Greenwell who then radioed Kentucky State Police and the Christian County Sheriff's Office and the Fort Campbell Army Base. Yes. So they're yes. fucking getting everybody. Because <laughs> these people are scared. They shot a bunch of guns. Yeah, but out of the seven places you just talked about, the four places, rather, there's only seven people in all those four places. <laughs> Army Base is two dudes, and they share one gun. So, and then the local paper got a hold of it, and the photographer... So everyone's going down to this house within an hour, and there's like half a dozen fucking law enforcement. Let me guys. ask you this question. Did JC look half as scared as Eddie does right now? Twice as scared. Twice wow, as scared. That's that scared. something. Eddie don't even have enough skin. We might have to post a picture of Eddie. I think we're posting a picture of Eddie. Yeah. I think Eddie should just be our fucking profile picture on Facebook. Eddie okay. Spaghetti. Eddie Spaghetti. He should have his own Facebook, be our number one fan. <laughs> He'll comment on everything. Love it. Great job! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to post a picture. So the the, uh, the cops went around the property with everybody with their flashlights and yeah. found nothing. But they did find holes in the windows and screens. Bullet shit. holes. And they found you know bullet casings everywhere. <laughs> and apparently where they had claimed that the the creatures were shot, there was like this kind of luminescent shit. There. Did this guy let me go on his break from work? Did he ever go back? Um, this is one night. So, I mean... No. He's got the full night. I'm sure, maybe eventually, I don't know. But, they and then they interviewed the entire family, and yeah. they all had completely consistent stories. But I, And I'll, I'll get to like... Uh, yeah, theories that could have happened. So, after a few hours of completely useless investigating, because what are the cops really going to do about aliens, even if they were there? Cops left. But this continued. Like, 3.30 in the morning, Glennie woke up and saw one of them outside her window. Lucky ran in, and him and Billy Ray shot at it, and they spent the next few hours guarding the house with guns. Guns and then, work. But, yeah, but, I mean, they make them go away. And then daybreak, they were all gone. Um, there was some other evidence that came up later when they uh, interviewed, uh, like, some of the children later, stating that there was a supposed site where the ship had landed, which uh, Lucky had shown to his children. Um, and the press tore them apart, claiming that, like, Lucky was a drunk and everything, which he really wasn't. When the cops were there, they found no alcohol, nothing. 
So as far as explanations go, there's this guy. I love this guy. Explanation. Rodney Schmoltz. Rodney. Rodney Schmoltz. Rodney Schmoltz. Oh. I need a little smear for my bagel. And he's racist. Well, I'm Jewish. It's fine. I know. And Scott Lillenfield said that it was an example of pseudoscience and an extraordinary claim to help, like he told his students about this, to help them develop critical thinking. Well, how and is it pseudoscience? It's not science at all. It's just like, it's just like one person's events, like what happened, what they saw. Right. So I, I hear what you're saying. The Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, which Ooh, I would I love to meet them. Pretty skeptical. Are, are yeah. they always skeptical yeah. of everything? CFSI. <laughs> we go up there and we're like, hi, we want to interview you. We're from Motel Valley. We're like, are you? <laughs> really? I'm not sure. Really? Are podcasts even with. real? Oh. The medium is the message. That's a crew to hang with. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Oh my god, you won't believe what happened at work today. No, I won't. <laughs> I won't. Because I I am can't skeptical. believe it's not butter. No, I can't. <laughs> so the the you one didn't even laugh at my butter joke. That was killer. That was good. Funny human joke. That is about food. It is for sustenance. Ha <laughs> So <laughs> Joe Nickel, who was one of the guys from the CSI. What happened to is, Rodney Schmoltz? He, he, he was just... He was in and out. He claims it's... Po- it, Classic Schmoltz, Schmoltz. Uh, in 2017 said, it is plausible, if not likely, that the aliens were great horned owls and that there's some evidence that the eyewitnesses may have been intoxicated during the alien attack. So, most people just think they're drunk and shooting at owls. Uh, <laughs> Joe nice, Nichol... Nice. Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh my god, some kind of alien. <laughs> Yeah, they like they failed to mention that Glenny like bought a bunch of like fucking owl seed and shit. Owls don't eat seed; they eat meat. I don't know. Yeah, but they just had a shitload of pet mice in the house. Yeah. Like, oh, let me get some of that. Ooh, ooh. That's more of a pigeon. Yeah. Whoa. Ooh. 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 Anyway. Good noises. Um, Joe oh, Nichol says that the family could have misidentified eagle owls or great horned owls. Which are nocturnal, fly silently, oh, yeah, and have yellow eyes. looking owls. We know that about owls. Tell me right. I don't know about owls. Well, they're also aggressive and uh, will always defend their nests. Which yeah, but if you shoot at an owl and hit it, it, it dies. dies. Yeah. doesn't ping off of them. And I'm pretty sure owls can fly, but can they levitate? Yeah. Do they? Do they? Do they just peek in windows looking at old ladies? That's true. Aren't all birds levitators? Yeah. No. Pretty much. Thank you, Pat. I don't think you understand how science works. <laughs> and the UFO sighting could have just been a meteor streaking across the sky. Some according kind of to, meteor. <laughs> according to author Brian Dunning, there are simply too many similarities between the creatures reported by the families and an aggressive pair of local great horned owls, which do stand out two-thirds of a meter tall. And... Uh, there's this whole thing that happens in what was it? I think it was like 2017, where they they, they like celebrate this now in uh, Kelly Hopkins. They they're like really all about it. And then there was a uh, very easily seen eclipse in uh, July of 2017. I remember that where they brought it back up and they were um, 
talking about and everything. But this family really get, did get like torn apart by the media. They gained nothing from this story. Yeah. Well, they got to shoot at a bunch of shit, and that's all anybody in Tucky wants. Yeah, right. Isn't that always the thing? Every time you hear like some kind of alien counter, you're just like, just shut fucking shoot the thing. Yeah, <laughs> just shoot it. If it bleeds, it can die. Do you bleed? Yeah. You will. And that is the time to Kelly Hopkinsville Goblin case. Wow. 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 Really nice work there, Benjamin. Thank you. Really transported me to Tucky Town. So. All right, so I'm not going to do the southern accent anymore because it's not applicable. You're still in it a little bit. (laughs) You're like, because it's not a plan. (laughs) All right, thanks, Dad, for mocking me again. But anyway, I am covering Travis Walton, one of the most famed abductees. Never heard of him. Well, I haven't heard any of these people until yesterday, so... Is he the guy who plays drums for Live 182? Ah, yeah. So, before we jump into this, I just want to briefly mention, I don't know what you found in your internet travels, but I will tell you that when I was looking at all this UFO stuff and going to all these alien things and ufologists and all this junk, all I could think of was, like, Stormfront and neo-Nazi black metal bands because... There's this shitty 90s aesthetic that permeates all UFO sites and like the same kind of shitty computer graphics and shitty like renditions of spaceships and just this general like total lack of visual flair or like it's almost like vaporwave in the sense of there's a unifying aesthetic but it's garbage and (laughs) everything from the way that the questions are posed to the way things are written and the stuff people talk about it is it's just like like X-Files runoff distilled into some like horrible poison capsule and I thought of how neo-Nazi black metal and Stormfront and like all white power music all have this equally shitty aesthetics where like if they throw a World War II picture on there and they have like a really pixelated you know swastika then they're like totally badass and it just was it was very interesting badass is the word you want to use about swastika no I mean from their perspective (laughs) you know what I'm talking about and so (laughs) Anyway, I just, I don't know. Did you see that? I don't know if you went in. No, I've had this specific case planned out since we picked aliens. Oh, okay. I didn't really look too deeply into anything else. I look deep. I look too deep into the abyss and the abyss stared back. I will tell you. And it was like angel fire. (laughs) It was better and worse than that, though. It was interesting. So, Travis Walton, allegedly one of the most famous... Uh, abduction cases from the United States and generally he was an American forestry worker and was abducted on November 5th, 1975 while working in the Apache St. Greaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona, which is part of the Arjun Navajo Nation. I have heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, as a preface, I went to Travis's website which is, I believe, TravisWalton.com and, or Travis Walton story. There was a movie made about him called Fire in the Sky, which is an adaptation of the 1978 biographical book, The Walton Experience. And I did not get the chance to watch the movie. I, if I had started this earlier yesterday, I would have watched it because like, I was <laughs> invested by the time I went to bed. And there was a second book written later about Travis or by Travis that we'll get into briefly. 
wow, this website is bare fucking bones. It actually doesn't have bad aesthetics. It doesn't go into the Stormfront style stuff. Well, not that it should, but you know what I mean? It doesn't have the equivalent UFO aesthetics. I, I, I have to talk about it a little bit. So they have a condensed version of his book, The Walton Experience, on the website that basically describes the events as they led up to his abduction. And it's interestingly written because it, it reads like a fiction novel and they describe what's happening and the characters and all their thoughts and Travis is like the main focus, but it has different characters saying different things and a bunch of it's after he gets struck by an energy beam from a UFO that they see. Sweet. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's knocked out, so how the fuck does he know what they said? Now, down the line, he rekindled his friendship with the guys that were there when this happened, and that's how I guess he got a lot of the information about what was going on when he was on an alien spaceship. But it's just hilarious, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, this is definitely like fifth grade reader level comprehension writing, and uh, Travis unconscious. Carlton says to himself, "Wow, that was fucked." <laughs> basically, basically, and. And what was the most interesting thing to me first, and I, I watched about an hour of a two-hour talk he gave about his experience because I'm a glut for punishment, but he makes a lot of, spends a lot of time talking about how he was not just cutting down uh, a forest in Navajo Nation, but they were doing controlled cuts to thin the forest to allow new trees to grow and then doing controlled burns. He was a logger. Yeah, well, but he wasn't. He was basically an environmentalist the way he tells it. Yeah. I'm like, pretty sure you're a fucking logger. Yeah, no, the, on his website, there's a picture of him. That dude's a fucking lumberjack. Yeah. Look at that. That's a... Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, except for there is, but, you know, whatever. It just was, like, hilarious to me that, you know, in in this world, it's... Because uh, the first thing I thought was, like, oh, you're a piece of shit logger. Like, what do I care? So, I get why he does it. He wants to make himself more sympathetic from the get-go. Guys? Yes. He's still doing talks. I know. The one I saw was from, like, three months ago. We, if he ever comes to the East Coast, should go see him. Ben, I want you to know that I do. I take my research seriously, and I printed out the schedule of his event. <laughs> God, I love you! Yeah, so you're welcome. We can go see him while the... The next one's that already happened, but he's gonna be doing more soon. So don't you worry, I'll be getting to his scheduled events soon. Oh God. I'm not gonna spend the amount of time he spends in his two hour fucking talk talking about the whole abduction process, but the short story is they were doing their logging, they ended their day, they packed up their truck, it was him and a bunch of other guys. I'm gonna go through this cast of characters that are listed on his website and the things that the captains they have next to them. Michael Rogers in 1975, he said, I've been working these woods for over 10 years, and this is the damnedest thing that ever happened to me. Wait, wait. I've been working in these woods for damn near 10 years, and this is the craziest thing that ever happened to me. No, the damnedest thing. Damnedest. I don't I know. Can't, I can't read it from here. The guy was young. He didn't have a grizzled voice like that. In 1995, he said, I've been working these woods for over 30 years, and this is still the damnedest thing that ever happened to me. I've been working these woods for over 30 years, and it's still the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Is that better? Yeah. Alan Davis. We couldn't believe what was happening. The horror was unreal. <laughs> oh my god, Alan Davis looks yeah. like... Woof. Yeah. yeah. He diddled a few. He looks like a diddler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alan. John Goulet. I know what I saw, and it wasn't anything from this earth. Apostrophe. Kenneth Peterson. I saw a bluish light from the machine, and Travis went flying. Like he touched a live wire. 
Steve Pierce, the ray was the brightest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And Dwayne Smith, the UFO was smooth and was giving off yellowish-orange light. Do you think he was actually allowed to fucking have these pictures and quotes on his website? Yeah. Like he's just, I do. And I'll get to why. So they're driving back, you know, out of the woods to wherever. Now, I've been to both Arizona and New Mexico, and it is a way of life to drink and drive at night. Supposedly, these men were all sober as a judge. They're loggers in the 70s. I somehow doubt that, but that's their story. <laughs> it is a huge problem because, first of all, having driven through at night Navajo Nation, it is a terrifying, death-defying drive. They are two-lane roads, well, one lane each direction. There are nothing but signs for uh, cattle crossing, elk crossing, coyote co- crossing, deer crossing. Every animal that could cross the road crosses the road. The bears? No regard. I don't think there are a lot of bears in Armadillos. Arizona. Armadillo for sure. Fish. Probably not most of the time. <laughs> and it is just basically drunk Native Americans and drunk truckers driving the road at whatever speed they deem fit. And then also like swarms of locusts. We literally got, <laughs> we got caught in a swarm of locusts and you could not see because they covered the windshield of the car and you would wipe and it was, it was fucking horrifying. Yeah. So these are dudes driving out of the woods at dusk and you know, whatever, take from that what you will. So they're driving and they see a saucer shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away, making a high pitched buzz. Yeah, something along those lines. Walton claims, so basically they all see it. They're like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is that? It's a Toyota Yaris! And so (laughs) Walton talks about, you know, he was brash and brave and young, and he got out and he's like, I'm going to take a peep at this this mother mother truck flying saucer. I don't think those were his exact words, but essentially. And gets out of the car and proceeds to approach the said flying saucer. Uh, A beam of light suddenly strikes him, and it comes from the craft, strikes him, and knocks him to the ground unconscious. And everybody flips the fuck out. And he supposedly gets like thrown to the ground and it's like he's making a snow angel except for he's not moving. He's just like trapped. And they're like, oh shit. Some people say there was a noise. Other people say there was no noise. Some people say it sounded like an electrical like like pop kind of, like if you touched a live wire, as the one guy exclaimed in his uh, witnesses page. (laughs) And they all drive the fuck away and are like, we're getting out of here. Sorry, Travis, but whoa, bro. And so they boogie. And Travis talks about in the interview I watched, you know, he doesn't blame them. He would have, everybody says like they should have stayed and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, they were freaked the fuck out and they didn't know what to do. And basically the leader of the group is like, they get far enough away and they're like, we got to go back. And whoever wants to come with me can come with me. But like, I'm, I'm not, like, we gotta go back. So they go back, and then they can't find him, and they see nothing. So now they're totally freaked out. The saucer has flown away, and they drive into town, to the nearest town. I don't think, I don't know if it was actually Snowflake. Oh. It's actually what it's called? That's the name of the town. Yes. Snowflake. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I can buy an autographed DVD. How much is it? Of the documentary. Okay, one autographed documentary. Fuck the laptop case, let's get that. Signature plus inscription. $23. Really? Very Wait, affordable. Inscription, like, could we, like, 
Can, can we get it to say like two Motel Hell? If you want a different name or custom inscription for any item in your order, please select special instructions. We don't have a Patreon people, but we do have a deep love for weird shit. So if you want to get a Motel Hell engraved custom DVD, then we would be super Honor. appreciated. You can DM us on uh, Instagram and we'll send you our address. What or you can message us can't buy, on buy. Facebook or at our email, motelhellpodcast at gmail.com. I kind of want my this. Yeah, I, I'm not going to. I. Somebody's birthday's coming up, though. Don't get that for me. That's what you want. So, anyway, <laughs> I just want to briefly mention just for statisticians out there listening, the, the alleged UFO was 40 feet in diameter, approximately. So, they go, they get the uh, sheriff from either Snowflake or the nearest town that has one. And, and the other thing that they he talked about in his talk was the nearest hospital was like an hour away, so they were they were freaked out because they're like, if he really did get struck by some electronic bull or whatever, like, is he even gonna make it? Yeah, some kind of electronic who's a what's it? Yeah. So they go, they tell the sheriff, and they say, our friend just got he basically disappeared. We saw some kind of UFO hit him with lightning. Now he's gone. Please help us. And the sheriff's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? And they're like, no, seriously, you have to believe us. So supposedly the sheriff and his deputy got all up in everybody's face. They were smelling for the reefer. They were smelling for the alcohol. But they all seemed sober as judges and totally terrified. And they truly believed it. So they take them seriously enough. I mean, these are working guys, whatever. And they say, fine, fuck it. We're going to go out there. So they go out and they, they go back with the sheriff and they don't find anything. And they're like, no, like we really have to search like seriously. And he's like, all right, if anybody's fucking with me, tell me now, because if you're, if you're fucking with me, like it's gotta be real ugly. And they're like, we swear to God, we swear to God. So they get more people to come and help. I think they get like neighboring county police departments, whatever. They call Travis Walton's many brothers. The brothers come out and basically they're convinced that these guys have killed their friend and this is the way they're covering it up. And so they've said since but then... That's the leap that they take? Yeah, because, you know, they're like, oh, they all got drunk. There must have been some kind of accident. So now they're looking through, like, the huge piles of felled trees and all the stuff they've stripped. And they're like, yeah. you know, they go on this multiple-day manhunt and they can't find anything. And they're the like... perfect crime. Yeah, they'll, you know, they're basically like, tell us where he is, all this stuff. Now, I can't get a distinct timeline of events from the research I did as to when this stuff happened as far as the investigation while Walton was disappeared. But it looks as if they administered lie detector tests before he showed back up um, because they wanted to make sure that A, he hadn't been killed by them and B, that the story they were telling was true and everybody was telling the same thing. So five of the six guys all told, all passed their lie detector tests. And one of the guys was inconclusive because he walked out before the test was done because apparently he was a hothead and you know, whatever. But then later he took a test down the line and it came up as he was truthful too. And they've all taken subsequent polygraph tests. Now, as we've talked about in previous episodes, polygraphs don't mean shit. No. As far as I'm concerned. And they don't hold up in a court of law anymore. 70s might have been a different time, but that was like the first thing that they could do. And that's what they did. And supposedly they all passed with flying colors allegedly and, you know, told the same story and, and got the same results. So the police are basically stumped. Now this is this is really what we're all here for. Walton, on the other hand, Travis rather, is uh, he's up Schitt's Creek without a paddle. So he awakens to find himself in in what he believes originally to be a hospital bed, and he's 
he's got all this pain in his chest and he's got some kind of heavy instrument pushing down on him and he's unable to really move and he's in this incredible pain and he's sort of in and out of consciousness and eventually he comes to to find what sound basically like greys, three greys staring at him from the other end of the table and you know he's getting some kind of an examination and he's like what the heck but he hasn't been stripped nude they don't have anything in his butt they haven't taken his seat as far as the story he tells but they're doing some kind of examination so when he tells the story when i heard it it doesn't make a lot of sense in this specific <laughs> instance because he talks about having an instrument on his chest, but then suddenly he's able to get up off the table. He's not, I guess, restrained in other, any other way. And he talks about trying to swat at them from the table, and they're not really backing off, and he's too far away to, to get them. Come here! Come here! <laughs> yeah, we well, will not come closer. You uh, will hit us. Yeah. <laughs> so he somehow gets up off the table, and he's all discombobulated, but he's, he's trying to keep them away, and they're all just like staring at him, and it's giving him a headache, and they've got these crushing, like, you know, this this hypnotic mind control gaze, which I didn't mention, but is often talked about in UFO abduction stories, that the, the eyes of aliens have some kind of telepathic ability, some kind mm -hmm. of brain-melting sort of capability. He grabs something, he, he, he walks backward into the room, and he grabs something and he swats at them and they, they, they're not in range but they're not getting any closer and they sort of realize that they can't get him so this guy's going fucking nuts yeah. kick him off kick him off yeah so basically so they 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 somehow either let him leave the room or he pushes his way past he doesn't really describe what happens but he winds up uh in this this room and he tries to figure out where he is and to escape and realizes like this is not the hospital on the video that I watched they posted these images that I guess are supposed to be diagrams of what he describes and he's approved them <laughs> I will post them to the Instagram they're pretty good so this is the diagram of the ship it is a circle it's like two pie dishes one on top of the other you know what I mean like yeah. a classic flying saucer so he's in the examination room and he gets out and then it's super dim and there's a hallway on either side he doesn't and he starts running and it's circular because he can't see behind him to see if they're chasing him or not and basically he runs around comes out of the room runs right runs around they're not following him or maybe they are he doesn't know and then he finds a new doorway and he goes into it and he goes into this circular room that he believes was at the center of the spaceship and there's a chair in the middle and as he gets closer to the chair the lights sort of dim and I'm imagining sort of the scene in the new Blade Runner where they're in like inside the pyramid and, and Jared Leto's talking to Harrison Ford and I don't know why I'm imagining this, but that's how it's seen it. And it's like all these like sort of lights in the corners of the room, but it's basically this sort of uh, kind of like a canonical shape, but you know, as far as flying saucer shapes go, I, I, I kind of imagine what he's talking about. Like the, the, the walls taper into a corner at the bottoms. But in reality, he's just drunk wandering around <laughs> at Howard Johnson. Right? Maybe. And he, he finds this chair and he's pressing all these buttons and none of them seem to do anything. And then basically he gets out of the chair and then he, he goes back into the hallway and he finds a different hallway that leads off differently. And at some point he runs into a sort of humanoid alien that doesn't speak to him, but then guides him off the ship. 
And it gets off the ship and then pushes them out. Yeah, they're not in space. They're in like a bigger spaceship or on a different planet or in a, some kind of alien hangar. You've been fucking with our button chair. Get out. <laughs> yeah, so he gets out and then he sees two other saucers that are smaller in size off off a little bit in the hangar. The, the way that... This is so. This is the the way that they show the picture on the Instagram or on the uh, video. I'm gonna post it too. It, it has a checkerboard roof, at least in the way they describe it. I don't know if that's what he saw or if they just ran out of textures with the fucking thing. <laughs> but uh, basically, it's sort of like a, a piece of the pie for a, a Trivial Pursuit game. It's a like a pie, a piece of pie shaped room mm-hmm. where the one wall is rounded, and then the you know obviously the floor is flat and the other wall is flat. It's like a it's like a triangle with a rounded edge. Right. And so he maybe sees a third ship, but he can't tell. And then he's ushered into some other hallway and then into some other room where he meets an, a humanoid-ish woman and a humanoid-ish man. And they don't say anything to him. And he asks them, like, what the fuck is going on? And they don't, they don't say anything. And then basically he gets back on the ship. And the next thing he knows, he's back on Earth. And he's on the side of the road in the woods-ish. And there's some payphones in front of him. And so he goes to the first payphone. What do you know? It's out of order. Doesn't work. Goes to the next payphone, and he calls his brother up and he says, "Hey, I'm uh, I don't know where I am, but I, I need your help." And he's like, "What the fuck? Like, who is this?" And he's like, "It's your brother, Travis." And they're like, uh, "You've been missing for five days. You better not be fucking with me. This is better not be a joke." He's like, "No, it's really me." And his brother comes and picks him up, and they bring him home. I can only imagine like the aliens like. Pull up and be like, put him in front of the broken one. It'll be funny. This guy's been a real dick. So they bring him back and basically it all goes from there. So three years later, he writes his book. Somewhere in, in, it wasn't clear from the talk he gave. At some point he goes to a a, uh, brain hospital is not the right word. Neurologist? Yes, some kind of neurology center in Arizona. It's supposedly <laughs> gotta get me to a brain hospital. Brain hospital's not the right one. All of these aliens be mowing around in my head tubes. I'm a jurist doctor. I'm not a doctor doctor. <laughs> so he gets to a brain hospital. It's supposedly the same hospital that Muhammad Ali went to. Uh, to treat his Parkinson's and other stuff or whatever. He's got Parkinson's, or no, it's just, it's just like, well, he, uh, he's, he's dead, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's dead. Funny brain. He died? Yeah, yeah, and yes, he had Parkinson's. Okay. So, anyways, the doctor sends him, though, under an assumed name because he's such a high-profile celebrity and so many people are, like, trying to get in his face about what's happened and what he's gone public with that it, there's definitely no records about Travis Walton being there, but there's, he's totally went there, and when they did test, they found that in fact his his brain waves, his gamma waves, or some shit, <laughs> were not were not right. They were fucked with. These ooba booba <laughs> waves are all wrong, doctor. Yes, doctor, I concur. So let's wait, not let's make sure that no one can tell he was ever here. <laughs> yeah, there's no proof at all. Well, I didn't see any records on the talk he gave, but they certainly existed. Just were under a different name, <laughs> damn it. And um, what's your name, Ravis Putin? <laughs> yes, Ravis Putin. We have records for. So yes, that that's that's more confirmation that this indeed happened. And <laughs> <laughs> there were more lie detectors tests 
all of his friends who were there for the truck ride, they all say that it all happened the way that he says it happened as far as the abduction goes and him getting hit with light. And in the 20 years since the original event, it sort of tore his life apart, allegedly. And he's you know made friends with them again. They've all bonded over this. They celebrate this like big time in Arizona. Like this is a big deal. Um, they made a movie out of it. And so, if you don't believe Travis's version of events, then the main conclusion as far as what his story is, why he came up with the story he came up with, was to make a lot of money, which he has done. So Travis has two books. They've sold many, many copies. He is like basically a regular on the UFO talk circuit. There's all sorts of events that he attends. I think he gets put up there. Like, you know, he's like a circuit speaker for AA, although way more lucrative. The guy is not doing bad for a dude. I mean, he's about to get $23 for a personalized copy of a DVD. I'll tell you what. Yeah. And, you know, basically has made the, the rest of his life. He went from logger to, you know, I don't have his tax returns, although I wonder if we could find them. And, uh, you know, he's doing all right, basically, based on his ordeal. And what was most interesting to me, or at least as interesting, was reading YouTube comments on the video I watched uh, from him. They are insane. There are a lot of people that are like, brave. He's so brave. I'm glad he's speaking the truth. There are a lot of people that send hugs, prayers, and kisses. There's a lot of talk of the Lord. There's a lot of talk about how none of his story adds up. And then there's like crazy conspiracy shit. And it's all mixed in these comments that are uh, fascinating to read and and brain numbing and mind melting. And I can't find anything about his net worth. Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting though, because basically for the, the skeptics, they say this is like obviously a for-profit story. It doesn't make any sense. Why would they pick this guy? Like, why would they do this? You know, he just went into the woods. Like, he could have just gotten drunk in some trees for five days. But, I mean, they did comb the shit out of the forest looking for him. But it's as possible that his friends, like, drove him somewhere. To a hojo yeah. where he drank his face off and banged a hooker. Yeah. So. One of which was male. There's two hookers. That's the Joe. Mm-hmm. The other one's the hoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's the uh, Travis Walton story. I, I do want to read, I, I meant to do this earlier, but I, I, I want to read a little bit. So this is an excerpt, a condensed excerpt from his book, just to get a flavor for his writing. It is quite good. So, consciousness returned to me on the night. I awoke to find myself on the cold pavement of West Herber, Arizona. I was lying on my stomach, my head on my right forearm. Cold air brought me instantly awake. I looked up in time to see a light turn off on the bottom of a curved, gleaming hole. As I raised my head up, a white light caught my eye just before it blinked off. Either a light had been turned off or a hatch closed, cutting off the light from inside. I only caught a glimpse as I raised my head. I could not be sure which it was. Then I saw the mirrored outline of a rounded, silvery disc hovering four feet above the paved surface of the road. It must have been about forty feet in diameter because it extended several feet off the left side of the road. It was too large for the highway and it extended past the roadside to my left to a clear cutaway rock embankment on the other side of the highway. It appeared to be about 14 feet high in the center. For an instant, it floated silently above the road, a dozen yards away. I could see the night sky, the surrounding trees, and the highway center line reflected in the curving mirror of its hole. I noticed a faint warmth radiating on my face. 
Then, abruptly, it shot vertically into the sky, creating a strong breeze that stirred the nearby pine boughs, boughs, pine boughs, pine boughs, and rustled the dry oak leaves that lay in the dry grass beside the road. It gave off no light, and it was almost instantly lost from sight. Wow. I like that little rhyme at the end. Yeah. Gave oh. off no light, and was instantly out of sight. Yeah. Out of sight. So, uh, to end it, I just want to talk about the recent speaking engagements that ah. Travis Walton has had. So, his most recent, at least according to his website, was Awakening UFO and Conscious Life Expo, the Bowlers Exhi- Exhibition Center, Longbridge Road, Trafford Park, Manchester, UK. Awakening UFO and... Um, so... That was June 23rd, 2018. Before that was Contact in the Desert, the Renaissance Indian Wells Resort and Spa in Indian Wells, California. That sounds really nice. Exactly. This is my point. Past events, the George Nori Live in Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts in Scottsdale, Arizona. Scottsdale, that's nice. Sedona Cosmic Awakening at the Sedona Creative Life Center in Sedona, Arizona. The 2018 Edinburgh UFO Festival in Edinburgh, Texas, not Edinburgh, Scotland. The 27th UFO Congress event in Scottsdale, Arizona. What happened in Scottsdale? Yeah, I think there's not a lot happening. If this is your big highlight, then it's the desert, man. You know, take peyote, see some stars and shit. And uh, what was the last one? The Sholo Mufon, which is I think the talk I saw in, that I, the video I watched was from this, from the MUFON network uh, in Sholo City Gym. That sounds a little nice. In Sholo, Arizona. But then there are, I didn't print them out because it seemed unnecessary, but he's got events listed going all the way back to 2011, and he's been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. He's been telling this story. So, you know, to, to sort of end where we started, I find all of this basically impossible to believe. I don't believe yeah. in any alien contact on this planet at all. It's all fucking bullshit. I think it would be much like Mass Effect if it was like anything where aliens know we're here, they think of us as a dirty, pestilent people, and they have zero desire to make any contact with us. And if we get to be intergalactic, they'll fucking nuke us and be like, nah, bro, you guys are sick as shit. Which is like the whole beginning plot of Mass Effect, the backstory with the Turian War and all the rest, was that all the aliens were like, we don't want you to be part of our intergalactic, interstellar shit. Like, you guys suck. One of my favorite episodes of South Park, do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Where they, like, um, it's the space cache, and they, like, basically test them to see if they can join the intergalactic. Oh, universe. yeah. It is easily one of my favorite episodes, episode. and it's, it, it's so funny. I, dude, I like to be in wonderment, you know? And I see the corroborated witnesses, and I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe this happened. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to believe. Yeah, so. well, I want to believe that they look different than they do, because when I post these fucking drawings and shit, like, they're, because he has sketches of the humanoids, like, if that's how they look with 70s feathered hair and can all the rest. Can you bring up a picture of these? I need to. I, I have to pull it from the video, so oh, we'll do it after. I, I, uh, closing remarks, alien stories are fun, and whether or not they're true, they entertain the shit out of me, and it's also probably the most terrifying thing ever, because any horror movie, for the most part, that involves, like, this type of alien story, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. And if they are real, there's nothing you can do. Like, demons, you call a fucking priest, right? Aliens come, what the fuck do you do? You just let them put stuff in your butt and you go home. That's it. They're scary, and I like it. 
Also, X-Files rules. Yeah. X-Files does. Figured out how rules. Yeah. Love it. Fun. So, yeah, that's it for tonight. We want to make special mention of our Instagram, our Facebook, all this stuff. We don't normally, we don't normally rep our social media, but it's honestly, it, it helps us a lot if you can rate and review on iTunes, uh, first of all. And, you know, if you listen to what we do and you like it and you think, you know, there's at least one episode that one of your friends might like or be interested in, send it to them, let them check it out. You know, we're, we really just, we're not making any money off of this. We just kind of want to share what we do with as many people as possible. And Instagram's probably the most active, but we have a, a Facebook page, which is Motel Health Podcast. Motel Health Podcast, which you can also rate and review on there. Um, you can leave comments on anything. We post our the link to our SoundCloud for every new episode that goes up. Uh, if you guys want to reach us, you can reach us on there. You can reach us on our Instagram. Which is Motel Hall Podcast as well. We have our, our SoundCloud is also Motel Hall Podcast or is it just Motel Hall? I think it's I think it's Motel Hall Podcast. It'll come up as that. So okay. you can you can leave comments on the episodes that way if you want, if you know and basically we're maybe hypothetically open to uh, topics that our listeners are interested in. We could at least consider them. <laughs> I, I'm generally a little bit of a tyrant as far as that stuff goes, so we'll see about that. But if there's things we could do better other than getting a new mic or, you know, let us know and, and we will try to, to make it as enjoyable a listening experience as possible. And if there's something we're doing right, let us know. And uh, really hit us up, especially on the Instagram. Uh, you know, I try to post an update whenever we put out a new episode, and I've been a little slow about doing the glitch art for the movies we watch, but I'll be getting back on that when my schedule gets a little less hectic, so. And we do have an email address, which is motelhealthpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to send us anything cool, contact us, uh, tell us what it is, and if it's not a bomb, we will send it to a P.O. box, which will be guarded by sniffer dogs and police, and then receive the cool item from you. We yeah. also have small children screening our mail, so. Yeah. yeah. Small Just be aware. children who may be the next president. Mm -hmm. True. Think about that. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, later, nerds. Later. Later.